Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast, the culmination and brainchild of my own love for cars, but also my determination to ensure that nobody ever goes through what I've been through. That is hating their nine to five and living only for the weekends. I am so excited to welcome Muhammad Zaki Khalifa, whose Instagram page is Life Muhammad, uh, onto this podcast interview today. Another young person who is absolutely smashing it. But when you speak to the guy, what you realize is there is so much to this guy above and beyond just the Instagram amazing content he puts out because it's so easy to forget and so easy to underestimate the amount of thought and love and dedication to every single piece of content that goes out. And when you speak to the guy, what you realize is that he spends a huge amount of time trying to understand what his content is trying to show, who his audience is, the right music, the right creative process, the right principles. And you just realize that there's a reason why he's actually smashing it in the social media space. So I wanted to sit down with him and understand a little bit about how he got to where he is, but also his top, his top tips and advice for young budding people who want to get themselves on social media and absolutely smash it. So sit back, hope you enjoy this and look forward to some pretty cool, amazing ideas behind this guy and his process. So if you have that mentality and say, okay, I made a mistake. Now what? What is the solution? What's the next step? It is much more better. A lot of people get excited to create, cool, but they get lost because they're like, oh, uh, one, two, three, four, Khalas. it's all gone in the wind. Then you start getting so distracted by everything. You're not achieving A and you're not achieving B and you're not achieving anything. Have I done this mistake? Of course I have. Uh, trust me, my best work is when I literally put on a pen, pen and paper four points and I said, I will film this shot, this shot, this shot. Best work came out of that. Uh, when I feel that I'm failing, I go like, but KFC made it when he was 70, so. Bro, welcome to the podcast, uh, man. Pleasure to be here. No, thank you very much. Um, I want to kick things off, uh, just for those who, who might not know who you are and uh, what you're about. Just give us a brief intro as to kind of your, your brief overview and history as to how you got to where you are. I think uh, how you describe yourself is also the same way I would describe myself. I have a passion for content creation and uh, passion for cars. But uh, earlier on in my life, I never knew how to label it. I never knew that I was passionate about content creation because content creation is a fairly new concept, right? It's a fairly new word for all of us. But I did have this subconscious uh, thought that, hey, you know, I want to be that artist. I want to be the person who can choose the music, the shots. Uh, I want to convey a message. And it never was confined to cars and automotive. I've worked with different things like travel, uh, just everyday life. And actually, that isn't just what I do, for example, as a hobby. I worked in uh, Dubai media for like seven years. I started a couple of businesses, uh, all with the same concept, creating content, reporting, journalism, you name it. 
So yeah, my my career, my hobby, my business, all of that was centrifugal around uh, creating content and uh, always very tightly uh, connected to automotive. In terms of, I mean, it's it's fair to say that um, it it takes someone to do something quite different with their life, um, a bit of bravery, a bit of you know the 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 norm is often to you know usually get a degree go to university go to college or whatever it is and pursue you know something in the world of law or you know being a doctor or being a pharmacist or being a whatever right and um it 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 takes someone to kind of it, it, what does it take i guess in your view having having done it having experience having this passion for content creation um where does that kind of drive come from? Because I guess it would have been it would have been easier to, I guess, pursue something with more of a traditional kind of um, predictable kind of career path. Is that is that fair to say? Um, so it's two questions, I guess. It's uh, where does the drive come from, and uh, uh, is it easier? Or let's let's keep it vague. Yeah. Let's say uh, what is what, how do people choose? Do you want to become the usual engineer, doctor, whatever it is, or uh, should people venture into other things and stuff like that? So let me start with the first one, which is where does the drive come from? It is a very primordial thing. You can feel it. It's not something that, you know, you would write down or it's not something you would uh, think about. It's something that you would feel. When you feel that, hey, let's, for example, say, I'm interested in baking cookies, okay? Let's steer far away from any other thing that is uh, uh, very accessible these days, content creation, automotive, stuff like blogging, whatever it is. Let's say you want to bake cookies. If you say, I want to bake cookies, and you say, tomorrow I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. so I can bake the cookies, and you wake up at 6 a.m., that means you have a, a drive. Now, the same concept, now that... The example is a bit weird, right? Or, you know, not, not 100% there all the time. But let's say you wake up and you say, I want to make a video. I want to make a photo. I want to drive a car. And you say, I'm going to wake up at 6. And you wake up at 6. That is your feeling. Your feeling when you work and work and you're so exhausted. But, you know, there is a thing inside of you. It's not necessarily your heart. It's not necessarily your brain that will tell you, you know, just one last meter, one last hour, one last minute. Uh, this thing cannot be identified quickly. Yes, you can um, reflect. Yes, you can ask the people around you. But it is all, in the end of the day, uh, exploration. You explore the things that you like, that you're interested in, that you might have a drive for. And you'll eventually reach to a point where you say, oh, okay, I, I actually really like this. That is your drive. Once upon a time, I wanted to become a biochemical engineer, the person who creates medicine, the person who, you know, main, maintains the x-ray machine and stuff like that. And I, I really liked it. I honestly genuinely liked it. But then just one day I woke up and I was like, that's not something I want to wake up for. And I realized that waking up to go into the desert at like 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. to take videos was my thing. And it started from there. The other question is, uh, how's the world today with people saying, you know, I should probably be an engineer. I should probably be a doctor. Yes, these things pay well. These things have their prestige. Uh, a lot of our families 
really condone it and really push it and really encourage it. And then you also have the cultural aspect of it, you know, like, hey, my son's an engineer. Hey, my son's a doctor. But in reality, we all know. And because of, you know, how social media really started to unravel what's inside our hearts and what's really going through our minds, we started to realize that no matter what it is, no matter how good the pay is, no matter how much prestige you get, if you don't like the thing, or if you don't like the thing that you're studying for, or you're working for, it will never be nice. It will never be fulfilling. And then all of us will reach to a point in our third or fourth decade where we want to fulfill what's in our souls. And I've seen that. I've seen people grow up, grow up, and then say, hmm, that wasn't the best choice. So uh, the bravery is, you know, is required to understand what you really want. If you can make peace with being a doctor and an engineer, so be it. Okay. But if you cannot find peace there, then find what you have peace with. It is as simple as that. And in today's world, yes, being a doctor, being an engineer, being a social worker, whatever it is, will always exist. But then we've always got these changing uh, jobs and career paths. I think a decade or two ago, it was IT. IT was the big explosion of, hey, this is the new thing. Now IT is no longer that. Now it's marketing and media creation, you know? The world is running on media creation, so it's the new boom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you, um, I mean, that just, just going back to when you thought that engineering was going to be, you know, for you and then making that transition, um, did you at any point think, you know what, um, this was a mistake or this was not a good thing? How did you get past making that change from one interest to another? Cause I'm not, cause a lot of people, you know, that I know, and even, 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 even myself, I used to go through this kind of period of thinking that was a mistake and you become quite hard on yourself. How do you kind of get past that? Did, did you ever kind of go through a phase of thinking that was not a good thing for me and you kind of go through regret and your 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 mind becomes this kind of, it becomes quite harsh on yourself. Did you ever, did you ever kind of go through that kind of phase? Um, I think it differs from one person to another. It's very important for anybody who's going through any second thoughts through any, um, you know, doubts, not to take it from a perspective of, hey, I made a mistake. Yes, humans are here on earth to make mistakes. History is mistakes. Everything is mistakes. Everything in life is right or wrong. It's trial and error. So if you have that mentality and say, okay, I made a mistake. Now what? What is the solution? What's the next step? It is much more better. Uh, for me personally, I didn't think, oh, I made a mistake. It was just, hey, I realized something. Let me look into it. Let me try something. And it's easier said than done. I mean, I suffer from being too harsh on myself, and I bet that a lot of people do as well. But for some reason, in my case, I was lucky because that calling for content creation was much more powerful than the, hey, you made a mistake, Oh, your life is over, you wasted time, blah, 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 things like that. That didn't happen with me. In, in, in terms of practically, right, you know, and, and, and finding this thing that you yearn for, this innate desire to want to do something or be something, this, this kind of calling, um, 
practically, how would you how would you um, describe to someone what the, the 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 top one or two things that someone can do to try to understand what their calling is, what their what their passion is, um, what really drives them? Um, what what is it that you would ever suggest someone who is perhaps feeling like this thing I'm doing right now, I don't like it. It's not where my head is at, but I don't know. I don't know like what I should be doing. Okay, with this answer, I want to raise a very important point. Uh, now, trying to understand what your calling is and trying to understand what you're designed and you know here for in life, let's say, you want to understand what your gift is and where you want to end up career-wise, life-wise, whatever it is, there are many ways to do that. Trial and error, hanging hanging around people with different interests, trying that specific thing by yourself and seeing if you have the gift for it, if, if you're going to develop, if you like it, if you're going to wake up at 6 a.m. for it. Scrolling through your social media, seeing if you actually, you know, stop scrolling for it. I mean, these days we also have uh, very good indicators on what you're really interested in. But a very important point, side by side, simultaneously, as you're trying to find what you want to do and what you're interested in, you need to also be realistic and realize, do I have the gift for that? I mean, I could be absolutely fascinated by astronomy, but I could not develop no matter what. And uh, sometimes that is very hurtful on the short term and in the long term, because you could be trying and trying and trying and trying. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm not saying, no, don't go and try. But sometimes if you cannot develop at a certain pace, that specific thing you want to do is going to develop much more faster than you and you're going to be stuck and it's not going to it's going to hurt you more than it's going to benefit you and uh, i think a good uh, i'm trying to think of an example of that and i think it could be for example i started in photography i didn't start i didn't start in videography my main uh, my main bread and butter right now is videography I started with photography and then I realized I'm not really that uh, fluent, you know, I'm not that free flowing with photography. And I realized that I was being real with myself. So then I, again, I started searching for other things. And then I realized with videography, I can quickly imagine the next shot. I can quickly imagine the music. I can quickly imagine everything. And I was like, yep, obviously I'm better here. And that's where I put all my heart and I put all my efforts. So people who want to look for what they're good at, they can do by trial and error. They can do by hanging around different people, trying different things, using social media and seeing if they're going to stop scrolling at that certain thing that they're interested in, how much are they going to read about? But simultaneously, they need to know if they have the gift, if they can be very good at it. Because even if you're very interested in something, but you cannot get good at it, then you cannot really uh, develop, let's say, in a career, career-wise. You know, it's 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 such a good point. This need to be observing yourself and understanding and understanding where your attention by default goes, and and just understanding where your attention goes when you're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, whatever, is such a good point. I don't think many of us ask ourselves where is our attention going in our 
free time in our in our kind of when you wake up in the morning what do you think about you know uh, it's such a good point um in terms of um social media and and putting yourself out there um were you uh, were you ever scared about putting your work out there in terms of what people might think what they might say and how do you how did you ever kind of overcome those kind of initial challenges because a lot of young people are very scared about the idea of putting themselves out there you know um i think prerequisite is a very harsh word but uh growing up and doing for example different extracurricular activities at school being involved in school with things that required public speaking uh and generally how my household was uh, my household required a loud voice a concise uh conveying of information etc etc and these things were were there in my personality so i was absolutely never afraid to be in front of a camera and even if i was i always could differentiate between something that's live and something that's not uh so there's that's one part of it some people are um raised to be not afraid of the camera there are some people who have a gift for it so there's two things and number 3 practice makes perfect i don't i'm not saying that you know when i decided to be in front of a camera i was speaking fluently with all the proper hand gestures and moving my tone up and down making it interesting etc no 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 it was ridiculous the amount of times that i would be like and do it all over again and do it all over again and it requires patience the thing that a lot of people don't really grasp is the patience you need patience to know your gift you need patience to develop your gift you need patience for everything and uh, if anybody is afraid of the camera you need patience do it once twice thrice if you go to any psychological book and see how uh, phobias are dealt with it is a step by step it's requiring patience it's requiring literally millimeter by millimeter every millimeter will add up until you cross that meter it could take a month it could take a year but eventually you will get to a point where you can speak in front of the camera and for me i'm a practical person if sometimes i see somebody cannot really develop really that fast i would ask him to you know hey how about you do a voice over hey how about you work behind the camera maybe you have all that gift behind the camera if you can make peace with that and you like it why not you know so um this is my comment in regards to you know people who are afraid of being in front of the camera etc and for me personally it was a work in progress but also the environment that i came from uh prepared me to be able to speak without fear in front of people I think it's yeah I think I think it's making those those small little steps in the right direction isn't it and then over time your confidence grows it's such a good point I think I think people often think about they have to go they they, they have to do the big thing you know but actually it takes small little steps and and just just on that point I think um I think what's 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 easy is people to look at you and look at your Instagram and look at what you do online and think wow this guy is amazing he just kind of woke up and he just materialized 
Talk us through the kind of journey um, in terms of building up your profile, building up your presence, building up your skills and the kind of the 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 journey you went through um, in the early days in terms of building up your credibility and, and what what was driving you to keep you to keep you going when I guess the going gets quite tough, right? Okay, so this is a, a hard question because what you see on my pro- on my profile today is an accumulation of eight years of experience. I've had a business set up once that went down. I had another business set up once that went down. That's four years. That's four years. And in between, there was some uh, Dubai media experience. So you're talking about if I'm going to put them in a line, it would have been like over a decade, nearly two decades of experience. Because I was working in Dubai media for seven years and four and four, that's eight, 15. 15 years of me doing different things, et cetera, et cetera. And then let's say all of this experience is gone. Let's let's uh, ignore this infor- piece of information. I come to the profile that I have today and setting it up, setting up credibility, it required, funny enough, a pen and paper. Uh, if not a pen and paper, then you can use your notes. I rely heavily on Google Keep, which is a perfect note-taking application that goes through your laptop, through all the phones that you have. You could put images. And what I would do is, if you see my Instagram, it's a collage. So there's actually a lot of process that goes into it. I need to, A, design the facade of my profile, B, I need to design what's inside each post. And then C, I need to make sure that each post has makes sense, has something that's, let's say, let's say viral, that has a very good production value. Now, a lot of the social media experts say that this is a very bad way to do social media. Social media is all about being impromptu, being realistic, being credible. But, you know, this is how I like it. It's not the best way, by the way. I would not recommend people to do that. But I love looking at my profile saying, wow, that's very tidy. And I am looking into ways to make it much more free-flowing, for example, using Reels and IGTV, which I could hide later. But that's another story. Each process that I described, the facade, the content by itself, and then how viral or how informative the content is, has to go through note-taking. Then I would actually draw it, and I would keep it in front of my desk. And then each project I would have, I would run through my notes, I would organize them, and I always keep, you know, some place in my mind that says, hey, you're not going to be able to do this, or you might, you know, make a mistake here, make a mistake there. For example, um, I think one of my last pieces of content was, the informative ones, was Nissan Sun. I did a one-minute review on the Nissan Sun. And I had, let's say, 12 pieces of information. I had to get rid of 10. When did I get rid of them? Not when I was filming. I filmed them. But then when I came to post-production, I realized I can't. It's just so tight. So I had to make some very harsh decisions. This is very important for people when they're coming to design their social media, their content creation, their artistry, what they want to be good at. You need to keep a buffer for mistakes. So this is a small insight on how I'm doing things. There's a, there's a huge process, and it's all about uh, commitment, not in today's terminology, the consistency on social media. No, that's not. I'm talking about 
when you put to yourself a rule, hey, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to plan A, B, C, D properly, you do it. You don't say, oh, I'm I'm just going to go to the desert and try to do No, Habibi, if you go there and you don't know what you're doing, or at least have an outline, the least you can do. Uh, in Arabic, we say, iman, meaning that the least of your faith is to just go with an outline, have point A, B, C, at least know what you're doing. When you have that, an outline or a full plan with a nice buffer of mistake, everything related to your creation, to your organization, to your um, uh, to you presenting, to the information you're looking for becomes much more easier. A lot of people get excited to create, cool, but they get lost because they're like, oh, uh, one, two, three, four, خلاص. it's all gone in the wind. Then you start getting so distracted by everything. You're not achieving A and you're not achieving B and you're not achieving anything. Have I done this mistake? Of course I have. I have been in situations where I'm just so like, oh my God, I should do this, 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 this. But trust me, my best work is when I literally put on a pen, pen and paper four points and I said, I will film this shot, this shot, this shot. Best work came out of that. Wow. And I think, and what, what is it that kind of, is there like an overarching principle that, that underlies y- your decision to do this, this, and this? Like, what is it that kind of um, drives that process for deciding what goes in, what goes out? Are we talking about uh, this kind of principles in today's social media? Or are we just talking as Muhammad and his view and content creation? There's a difference. Both, if we can do both. All right. So in this experience that I had in Dubai Media and the couple of businesses that I had, I had something that was developing along the line that I was keeping very close eye on, which is what does social media require? Social media is the new media. It is what people are consuming. Before, it was newspapers. After that, it was radio and television. And for example, if you realize in television, there were trends. Like, for example, how the news appeared. There would always be a red banner and a very high pitch for breaking news. That was a trend. We could have easily had a blue banner with classical music and said it's breaking news. And if we all as humans agreed that this is the case, we would know that as breaking news. Okay. Social media, as it started to develop and it started to grow, there were trends. There were how people consumed media. What do people want? And that is why we have things like, you know, the favorite reels or the favorite music and reels, you know. I think all of us know that song, uh, I am so obsessed, love or whatever. You know, these things become trends. So some principles that I loosely follow. I, I hate to be strictly following a trend because it's always very beautiful to to break out of the mold. And I would see, I, like, for example, before creating any content or before editing or whatever, I will just open my phone and I will scroll. I will scroll through the trends. I will see what are people shooting today? What are people listening to today? What What's the vibe? What's the trend? And then I will loosely uh, create my content around it. This is, for example, one thing. Um, 
A very good example of this is when I started doing car reviews, I did car reviews that were anything between 5 to 11 minutes. That was the norm. That was the trend. People would listen because they did not have any other alternative. People did not have uh, Vine. People did not have TikTok. People did not have Snapchat. The introduction of Snapchat started making things go less and less, you know, the 10-second limit or the 15-second limit. Uh, so I used to do car reviews that were quite long. <clears throat> the moment I started realizing that, hey, people are pouring into Vine, are pouring into Snapchat, and they quite like the short pieces of videos and whatever. And uh, through my experience also with my work, I started realizing the attention span of people has really decreased because what they're doing is they're just scrolling through 10 seconds through 10 seconds. This is when I changed my format into a review that was no longer than one minute, for example. So some principles that I follow loosely, the keywords loosely, is based on what the trends are in different social media platforms, and those are easy to get. They're in your face. Now, when it comes to Muhammad, for example, on a personal level or on a non-social media level, what I would like is, this is a weird way to put a principle, okay? It would be something like, would I want to watch this? Very easy. Would I want to watch this? Uh, did this make me want to repeat it? Uh, and I have a very weird thing as a content creator or as a videographer. When I listen to music, it doesn't matter what the genre is. It doesn't matter from which year it is. It doesn't matter if people like it or not. It needs to give me goosebumps. There are some certain songs that when you listen to it, for example, there's a beat going on and then the saxophone comes in and then you're just like, ooh. That, you can get it with a lot of songs. But if you, if you identify the songs that do that, trust me, the moment you put it in your content, for example, it's a win. So these are for I'm showing I'm t I'm talking to you about some ideas that go through my head when I'm creating content, um, and everybody has his own set of rules. I have that. Maybe some people say, if I, for example, for example, and I've seen this a lot of times. If I put the phone over here, am I going to be able to identify what's going on? Yes, that's a correct way of doing it. Some people don't care. Some people are not going to look into the screen like this. They want to see it from far away. And if your colors pop and your subjects pop from a faraway distance, that could be a rule or a principle that dictates how you do your content. It could also create your trend, your fingerprint on the thing that you're doing. Why not? It's such a good point. Such a good point. And that, that point about asking yourself, would you want to view it? It's such an easy question to be asking yourself. Um, I think a lot of people don't don't do that, um, which is which is really interesting. I think, um, and let's talk platforms, right? You know, it's so easy for you know um, those on the outside. You know, there's, there's Snapchat, there's TikTok, there's Instagram, there's Facebook. There's all these different platforms, right? Um, how do you decide um, which platform is is best to target? Uh, I'm just gonna adjust my seating because I think my legs went numb. <laughs> Um, uh, this is a this is a very huge topic 
a lot of people talk about it. Some people say, oh, go to everything. And some people say, oh, just focus on the thing that you can. No, no, no. So much controversy and so many opinions and so much everything. But, um, and to be honest with you, I, I, I believe in both, you know. Uh, social media platforms differ from country to country. Some countries really feed on Facebook, whereas in the Gulf, Facebook is dead. So to be honest with you, if somebody comes to me here in the Gulf and says, hey, let's do Facebook, I'll be like, I mean, if most of your audience is in the Gulf, I'm not, I mean, this doesn't make sense. For example, it is quite straightforward. There are some quite straightforward facts. But then if you come and tell me, Oh, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, these things are close. Twitter, over here, they're powerful. So, again, I would dig deeper. Uh, Twitter is used by a lot of the, let's say, 16 to 25, maybe, 24, 23. 24 is actually too much. So, the younger kids, they find... Uh, a bit of freedom. They, they like the vagueness of putting something like the sky is purple tonight or something. And I, I, I say it a bit sarcastically, but it is something that they like. And to be honest, I like abstract things. I like vague things, but I'm telling you that Twitter is a nice platform. They put like this weird photos and things like that. So if you are, let's say a business or a content creator that relies on being vague, concise and your target audience is going to be younger people yes i would highly recommend that you go to twitter for example um and i I wouldn't recommend for example you going into youtube there's a lot of thought process into it when there is a new social media go into it you never know there that's always a, a plus point don't wait until all the usernames are taken and becomes popular and then you try to come in and then you're an outsider, for example. Um, currently in the Gulf, for example, Instagram is one of the most powerful tools. So is YouTube. But then what dictates what is better for you, for you as a content creator is your ability. If you are able to upload every day something that's worth three to five minutes of good entertainment or information, YouTube is for you. But if you cannot be consistent, then the algorithms in YouTube will not help you. And this is something that not a lot of people would tell you. I mean, you could go into YouTube and then people in the U.S. will tell you something. People in Asia will tell you something, etc., etc. But here in the Gulf, and I think maybe generally around the world, YouTube has become uh, a social platform that needs to be fed all the time for the algorithms to work. Instagram, on the other hand, is a bit lenient about that. It is much more based on the individual post. If your post is worthy enough to be shared around, it will be shared around. So it all comes back to what you're doing, who you're doing it for, what you can do, where are you based and where, you, where you're based is where you know which social media platform is doing. Some countries don't believe in Snapchat. Snapchat is non-existent. Why are we talking about Snapchat then? For example, Yang. And um, in, in, in terms of um, written content as well, I mean, I, I mean I'm, a, I'm a big writer. I love writing. I've always loved writing. 
Um, do you think that there is still a space out there for those that like to write the written word? You know, because it feels like often, you know, the guys that do the most well are those that are able to have great video, you know, to look good in front of the camera, have amazing editing skills. Do you think that there is still space in the world for the written word? Oh, that's a tough one because I'm not going to say I'm a writer, but I adore I adore writing. And I was a bookworm myself. But on a personal level, I think I've made peace with the fact that the written word is dead, unfortunately. Um there are there i'm i'm think i think that there might be the next generation might want to you know reminiscence or uh, what are they called be nostalgic by reading things and this is again what i told you about twitter they like the written word and small things and a diary and things like that but there're only a handful of people people are really dependent on visual on audio being concise etc cetera, etc cetera. Reading a book now is very rare. It's like once upon a time, I think when cameras were first invented, people who ran around with cameras were considered crazy because everybody else was reading. They're like, why are you capturing life where you can unleash your imagination through the book, through the pages of my book? You know, is there space for a written word online? Honestly, I don't think so. I mean it's sad and I don't wish it to be honest but it is what it is and now I think uh, reading is, is 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 for the brave this is what reading has become I see the people who really want to indulge really want to open their minds they read and I appreciate that and then to be honest with you there will be a point where people will put that out on social media and it will become a trend or something like that and people will become you know they will start reading again or whatever you know it's it, it's such a good point right in terms of trends i want to i want to just have a have a quick uh, get your thoughts on on it, it it feels like there's like waves right like these these trends come and go platforms come and go what content works comes and goes um what do you think are the most um and, and i think you might have covered it already what are the trends right now that you think are are perhaps worth thinking about for those that want to go into the content creation space and going into this new year what do you think the future trends will look like in terms of what you think will be the 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 the, the main things that people will be consuming as they um as we go into this uh, into into this, this 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 new year. Okay, so what are the trends right now? There's just so much to count, but what I can see a general a general umbrella, which is things like heartfelt, warm, fuzzy, real, and uh, the thing that also supports this is the fact that a lot of the social media algorithms are really supporting and pushing for, you know, content that's coming directly out of this and nothing that's edited. We see a lot of corporate going for uh, very low production cost things. And for the people who have their eyes open, they will realize that, hey, I think people got so saturated with over-the-top production, 
value or things that are fake that they no longer want it. And that is why when we were talking about reading, I'm telling you it might have a comeback because people maybe are so sick of just being indoctrinated. You know the word that I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, indoctrinated uh, information. Yeah, yeah. So uh, these are the trends that are happening right now. Uh, 2021 recaps, uh, my baby picture before and now, um, things even in Arabic, like uh, there's a trend, ya marhaba, which means just, it's just, it just means, hey there. And then people would use it to show, for example, a beautiful scene or a beautiful car or, and, um, that's what the, what the trends are right now. Well, how are they going to be different in the future? I don't know. I can you because you can never expect to be honest with you. Nobody would have thought a year ago that the trends on Instagram are going to be like that. There's a lot of for example very fast-paced uh trends right now which they put like a sort of music and then they'll put photos. Uh I, personally I like the trend of for example October dump or November dump and people would have their photos throughout all of November and they put a certain song and it's very raw. But there's just so much feeling and there's so much aestheticness and so much fuzziness and real and whatever it is that is beautiful. What should people look out for? I have no idea. (laughs) You will see it when it's coming. It's evident when things like that appear. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to touch on um, cars. Obviously, two two guys who love cars, two petrol heads uh, on this on this podcast. I'm so excited to have you um, on a bit more of a of a of a of a lighter yes. tone, if you like. And I ask this to all my guests uh, universally, and it's um it's 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 quite fun to hear people's different answers to to this question. What does uh, what does Muhammad's uh, five car dream garage oh. look like? The worst question you can ask a car guy because all the cars are like candy. You take a kid to the candy shop and you say, and what's your favorite candy? There is none because everything is beautiful. Uh, but um, I'm an off-roader, so definitely there needs to be an off-road car. Probably something like a Raptor, uh, Ford Raptor. Although I'm not a big fan of the EcoBoost, but I think it will do well uh, anyways. Uh, something that I could nonchalantly, you know, bash around. And off-roading is a big part of my life. So a Ford Raptor. Uh, I would love a classic car. I'm in love with American uh, sedans from the 80s. So we're talking about Caprice, um, Cadillac, Birmingham's. Uh, just these big, you know, lofts of metal and cushiony front seats. And it's a sofa. So probably one of those. I'd love a supercar. Who who wouldn't love a supercar for the weekends? Uh, for a supercar, I wouldn't go for, for example, a Ferrari. They're too tame. I like how loud and obnoxious okay. Lambos are. So definitely go for a Lambo. Which one? I mean, Aventador is always the go-to car. But I don't know. I've driven an Aventador, one of the earlier versions, and uh, yes, it's monstrous, but it was lacking something. I, I've tried, I've tried Ferraris, I've tried Lambos, I've tried McLarens, 
McLarens take me by surprise, but they're quite serious, you know? Actually, you know what? I wouldn't mind the McLaren. No, no, no. Cancel the Lamborghini. Put the <laughs> put something. Uh, put like one of the, the 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 like a P1. That would be amazing. Plus, it looks beyond amazing. Out of the holy trinity, I would actually get a P1. I wouldn't get the LaFerrari. I wouldn't get the 918. So we said Ford Raptor, an old American car, um, a P1, and then another. There's like two more. I would get myself a bike. I'm a biker, so I would definitely need a bike, yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, I love both the touring bikes and the sport bikes. Sport bikes are uh, death on wheels, um, but they are just, you know, captivating. I don't know if I want to go. So I just, a bike. I don't know what it is, but it will be a bike. And then last but not least, I would want... One of the big rollers, you know, like a Rolls Royce or something like that, like a Rolls yeah. or a Bentley. But Bentleys, I love Bentleys, but uh, they're not as extravagant as the Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce, when you arrive right. in a Rolls Royce, you've arrived. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such a big thing. I, th- I think I've missed yeah, on a daily yeah. car, I mean, but I don't know. <laughs> in 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 terms of um where you live and uh, the middle east um what what what's the kind of the, the the popular kind of um what's the most popular supercar that you see um and what what are the kind of the the car trends in the middle east right now that you find is is is, is quite common oh especially in the emirates oh that's a hard question because you you find all sorts of supercars ferraris but they're like corollas on the road mclarens yeah. actually quite yeah. less than ferraris surprisingly lamborghinis oh my god everybody just fell in love with the Urus. there's like Uruses everywhere yeah and i don't get really? it because i would wow, personally okay. buy an honest q8 because it's the same car. And personally, I've driven the Oros and I've driven the, the RS Q8. And the Oros is, okay, yes, it's it's explosive and, ta, 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 and it does all the sounds and jerking around. And yeah, yeah, and it has the badge and everything. But when I put the price tag and then, you know, like the, the, the RS Q8 is 600-something thousand dirhams. The Oros is double the price. It's like 1.3 million dirhams, even more. I would buy the RSQ8 and then put a hundred grand on upgrading it. But surprisingly, people go for the Urus because it's the badge, you know? It's, I have a, I have an Urus. Yeah. Lamborghini. And yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a problem yeah. because I think any proper car guy would say, hello, I will buy the RSQ8. It's half the price. And then I will upgrade it to Oblivion and it will still be less than three quarters of the price. Plus, I mean, I think the RSQ8 drives because it's a bit more um, sane, because it's a bit more uh, well mannered. I think I would drive it better. And on a on a different note, completely, let's talk electric because here in the UK, it's exploding. Um, electric car sales are booming. Um, the rise of Tesla. I think um, I think Tesla's now outsold, you know, Ford and even some of the Japanese manufacturers here in the UK. 
Um, electric charging points are becoming the big talking point right now. Shares in electric car manufacturers and electric battery manufacturers are becoming huge. Um, what's it like over there? And you know, is there is there much of an uptake in Absolutely the whole electric the same. world? The country's uh, electrical infrastructure is booming, and uh, the country's uh, focus is to be in the future. You know, the United Arab Emirates is the only country with an uh, with a minister that's appointed for artificial intelligence. We're the only country. So you can imagine wow. if the United Arab Emirates is doing that, how much of a focus they would have on things of the future, like electrical cars. And they're always supporting these, these things. The electrical infrastructure is booming. Um, Teslas are all over the road. Uber, you, uh, our Uber and the United Arab Emirates is uh, regulated by our road and transport authority. So when they first started Uber here in the country, it was always like Lexus, GMC, blah, 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 all these cars. And now a lot of the Uber is Model Xs and, and uh, Model Ss and all that kind of stuff. So you can realize even, even uh, public transport is electrical. And because the purchasing power in the UAE is very strong, spending 200,000 dirhams, I don't know how much that is in pounds, but 200, 220,000 on a Tesla is a very good option. To compare 220,000, you could buy yourself a mid-leveled BMW, you know? Um, you could buy yourself a fully specced, uh, actually, no, fully spec golf is like 180,000. But anyways, you know, I'm, what I'm trying to say is it's very easy to get one. It's very easy to get a Model 3. So a lot of the young people, a lot of the uh, people who are in uh, uh, the start of their career or even mid-career are opting for the Tesla. And in terms of um, infrastructure and charging points and you know uh, accessibility, is that is that is that is it now a feasible thing in terms of being able to? Because I mean, I'm I'm not sure what the average kind of miles you would do on a daily basis working in you know uh, working in the Emirates. But I mean, is it is it fair to say that you know the 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 ability to own and maintain an electric car is it is it is very, it becoming easier very, and easier now? Very feasible. Very feasible. I mean, the biggest distance we have is between Dubai and the capital Abu Dhabi, and that's like a hundred, um, hundred and fifty kilometers, hundred seventy kilometers. That's your biggest distance, and there are charging yeah. points yeah. in the beginning of each city. Superchargers. They have superchargers. Oh wow! And then within the city, every petrol station mm-hmm. has the electrical charger. Your house can have an electrical charger. Wow. There is restaurants and malls with electrical chargers, even in the mountains in the northern Emirates. So we have most of our cities are on the coast. Wow! Then there is another coast on this side. Yeah. Even between the mountains and on the coast, there are tons of superchargers. There are tons of petrol stations with electrical chargers. So owning an electrical vehicle, even if it does 300 kilometers, let's say, for example, I heard the, the Mach-E, the Ford, how much does it do? 300 kilometers? So yeah. even if you own the Ford, which for me, to be honest, I'm not really impressed by their range. Uh, if you own that, you're good. You are 100% in the safety. And then every place where there is chargers, there's always public facilities, like a restaurant, like a rest place. So you're not really... Yeah. So you can rest. You're not in trouble at all. Yeah. yeah. 
sounds it's, it sounds like the world is is moving in that direction. I mean, what what's your thoughts on the whole thing? I mean, do you think that I, I think someone once told me that we're going to get to a point in our in our life whereby we're going to look back at the world of petrol and and diesel and we're going to think those are those are the those are the old days, the good old days. And do you think that you know the, the idea of owning a a, um, a petrol car will be a bit of a luxury? Um, do you think that that's that's the direction that I we're not going in? I think it's going to become a luxury. I think it's going to become something like you know, if you go now to the living room and pull out a VHS tape, it's not a luxury, but it's just like, hey, you got one. I think that's what's going to happen. Mm. And maybe, maybe the yeah. support for petrol-powered uh, cars is going to go down, like petrol stations and servicing. I guess maybe I don't know. Uh, what do I think about electrical cars? I have a big question mark. I mean, there cannot be anything called it's better for the environment. Yes, there is less CO2, but what about the factories? What about the batteries? I, I don't know. It doesn't add up 100%. And by the time like all of us are driving electrical cars and the amount of electrical cars made, and I'm pretty sure that their process of creating that car is not really environmentally friendly. So I... I don't think that the electrical cars are going to make a big difference like they are talking about. Are electrical cars interesting to drive and are much better to drive than petrol cars and are less problematic than electrical cars? Yes, I absolutely 100% believe in that. But if people start talking to me about uh, being environmentally friendly, then you should probably start focusing on, for example, the cruise ships. The cruise ships that run in our oceans, the waste that comes out of it and the amount of diesel they consume and the amount of smoke they put out is triple and quadruple and quintuple and whatever, how many times you want to do it, multiplied, the amount of pollution that the cars do. There's actually things that are way more destroying to the environment than the cars, period. So I, I really don't get the whole we're gonna be we're gonna be more environmentally friendly. I do respect, however, some companies like for example JLR, they started using wool, some sort of synthetic wool, uh to decrease the amount of leather and uh chemicals being used in their interiors. And I'm talking about their flagship, their Range Rover Vogue. That's cool. The EQXX, the latest Mercedes, you know, that's a solar powered 1000 kilometers range electrical vehicle. They're using a different material. These kind of advances I really like and I really appreciate. So that's my two cents on the whole electrical. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's got me thinking about the, the, the production process. I mean, electric batteries, I don't think, can actually be recycled, I don't, I don't think. So they get dumped somewhere. So that's not very environmentally friendly. Plus, you've got the fact that the manufacturing process is quite um, heavy in terms of pollutants. Plus, you've got the fact that... And, 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 we, and we forget this here in the UK, that the, the batteries need charging. They're charged through the burning of coal and fossil fuels... To then produce the electric for those batteries. So, I mean, know, if somebody, yeah. nobody until now came and said, "Hey, the, um, if we charge a million cars, it will equal this much petrol, and a million petrol cars <laughs> running will require this much petrol." This is a comparison that I would yeah. like to read or see. I did not look for it, and actually now yeah. I'm very intrigued to look for it. But and I will after this. 
And if there is a proper answer, then okay, fantastic. We will know if it's uh, look if if running or uh, uh, running a million electrical cars is less than a million petrol cars running, amazing. If it's an incremental difference, then I honestly don't know. If the yeah. electrical cars are more than the petrol cars, then we have a problem. Yeah, I mean, this is I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Honestly, um, I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, bro. I mean, I think um, I, I was saying this to you earlier that we've got a lot of um, young people who listen to the podcast, and I think um, it's uh, it's so good to have someone who's young, who's 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 out there putting content out, so passionate about content. is just so good to have you and, and share your thoughts, your wisdom, your advice for those who want to get started in the content creation space or who are just not sure um, what they want to do as their next chapter in life. Some really good advice about not viewing a changing career as a failure, but actually just a constant learning process about yourself, being reflective, observing your own self when you are living your life. Some always really remember uh, KFC. He started when he was 70. And he's now the one of the winning true, uh, food true. chains. You know what? I don't know if this is true or not. But if it is true, he's like my... Uh, when I feel that I'm failing, I go like, but KFC made it when he was 70. So, you know, I, I go through the exact same thing. Because honestly, th- th- this, this happened to me when I was in London. And I had this feeling. And I walked past the KFC and I saw his picture. And I thought, this guy did it at 70, yeah, man. We have, like, we have time, you know? We've got time. And patience was one of the key things that you that you talked about as well, which is just so, so crucial. Honestly, thank you so much for your for your valuable time on the podcast. And uh, we look forward to continue following your journey and, as well. Uh, to everybody's journey, good luck. You will get there some way, somehow. And like the Russians say, they have a proverb. They say, uh, what is meant to be is meant to be something like that and that means no matter what you do what is meant to be is going to happen no matter how hard you try mm. that's absolutely golden thank you so much